Welcome. This is Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. Hi. Hi, Rob. How, How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing fantastic. So good to see you at the table. <laughs> Likewise. Right here in the studio. And we're going to be talking today a little bit about COVID. Nice. Have another check-in. Based off of the first time we did that, like two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about January and January, episode, yes. episode two. Yeah. Episode two, we did talk about this, but I'm referring, Dr. Rob, to my stupidity <laughs> because we've already recorded this once and I lost the file. <gasps> you lost sometimes, the file. Sometimes life happens. You know, I think this stuff is... This stuff is like affecting me in a positive way because I forgave myself in about 30 seconds. That is, well, that's excellent. I moved on and started playing with my dog. Yes. And I thought that was a healthy response to my own stupidity. Well, and you did something else. You you analyzed what went wrong so that you avoided in the future. Yes. So we're, we are now recording both on the computer and we're recording on our SD card. And so we have our bases covered. But technology is oftentimes the gremlin yep. in life. And we just have to be able to navigate through those moments of inconvenience. Wouldn't it be just one of many gremlins? There are more. <laughs> but I digress. We should do a podcast on gremlins. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> gremlins gremlins in your car, gremlins in your... With sound effects. Sound effects, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Well, we um, were a little delayed in getting this podcast published, but um, we do have this particular episode, episode 13, devoted to talking about um, a six-month check-in regarding COVID. And, you know, I'm remembering some of the thoughts that we had in our, our lost episode, um, but this is a time to reflect on the continuation of COVID. I think, Rob, there was, at least for me, there was a thought like we would get to a threshold and we would cross it and it would be over and we would be back to normal. Yeah. And that was kind of like in January, we were thinking, okay, rah, rah, team, we're almost there. Let's do a check-in. How did you do? And now we're going to move forward. Well, wait a minute. We're now in, what, July 2021, and we're still dealing with COVID. Yeah, and a new variants. And new variants that are obviously getting a lot of news coverage. Right. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but the media is not always, you know, has the best motives to cover, you know, newsworthy items. Yeah, I might go so far to say at times they're part of the problem. Yeah. But on a practical case, in my assessment, um, Dean and I flew down to uh, Georgia flew into Atlanta to be with our daughter, Kaylin, who was defending her thesis. And that was fun being in the room while she was defending her thesis. Shout out to you, Kaylin. You did great. Um, but I remembered that going into the airport, oh, darn it, because we've been living in this maskless society now most recently. But in flying, you got to wear your mask like constantly from the moment you enter the terminal gate flight, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd forgot my mask. So I dug through like the inner workings of my center console and I dug out a face mask. Mm -hmm. And the problem was it was dirty and it smelled bad, <laughs> but we were on a time crunch. We had to hurry up and get in and get ticketed and get through security and all that. So I had to wear it. Oh, it was horrible. Got to our gate. 
I went into the bathroom to wash it. I'm washing it. Air, airport soap is not smelly. It doesn't smell good. No. They don't, they're saving money on yeah. cheap soap. So I tried my best and I used like the air dryer to dry it. And I'm doing this before we had to board the plane. And then it still wasn't that great. So Deanne then sprayed some kind of cool spray on the outside that was like minty and so at least it, it helped me survive. But you get on the plane, and, like, the stewardesses are, are like, they're threatening you. Like, if your mass falls beneath your, <laughs> yeah. your nostrils, you're going to be attacked. And I'm like, just <laughs> chill out. And so, truth be told, Dean and I buy popcorn. And we just eat the popcorn really slowly on the plane. That way we can always have our mask off. <laughs> Pretty a well. loophole. Always <laughs> like the loophole. So, you know, like I'm gesturing right now, like really slowly bringing up a one, kernel. One kernel one at a time. time. Nice. I, I don't even know if I would have the discipline to eat one kernel at a time. <laughs> no, so that, that's what we're talking about. It's like COVID fatigue. It's like, I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. And, and now the variants are kind of surfacing and and all that. But we're talking today about reassessment of COVID. Yeah. And when we were talking, I was thinking about what, what have we learned? Yeah. You know, to, to, to take a moment and think about what we've learned. And one of the fascinating things for me has been how competent fear is in hijacking rationale. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, and just to your point, the conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And I'm not I'm not talking about one side versus the other side. I'm just talking about, you know, some of the neuroscience research and things that we've learned in the last 20 years of brain. It's like, whoa, the survival technique of fear, which is useful in survival situations, but not always helpful in figuring things out. Yeah. And of course, I think you're referring to the idea of adaptability. Um, yeah. we're, we're constantly under threat. We're constantly under challenge. And, and so therefore, neuroplasticity, the concept of yep. the brain is designed to adapt, um, it's constantly adapting. And I think what we have found now is we adapted so well to COVID life. Now we're readapting to post-COVID or mid-COVID life. And it can be really frustrating. Like you said, the brain is adjusting, but what is it about us that's frustrated? Where does that frustration come from? Where does the irritation, the, the exhaustion, things like that? That's a good question. To me, there are many culprits. One is when you're always on alert, your system doesn't, your activation system, that arousal doesn't go offline. Mm-hmm. You know, in trauma, they talk about the window of tolerance and hyper is above that window and hypo is below well when you're outside of your window of tolerance your 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 executive functioning the frontal cortex of your brain goes offline and so the body is always on alert and the number one generally speaking the number one um, objective of the brain is survival Mm -hmm. right so these are skills that we use as humans to survive and i think so you're always on Mm-hmm. That creates fatigue. There's that constant worry or fear. What is someone I love or myself? So there's that vigilant vigilance. 
And then I don't think it was helpful that our leaders, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, politicized. Regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, the media, the politicians, and all these others, I, 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 I don't perceive how they handled it as helpful. No, I mean, in the middle of a presidential campaign that was highly, you know, hostile and, and challenging. Yeah. You're just, it just adds fuel to the fire. Yeah, it does. And it, and it creates for the brain, regardless of where people fall on the spectrum, you know, they're, it's now forced to deal with all this Mm -hmm. information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as we are, having a conversation about COVID and adjustment. And now we're looking forward uh, to the remainder of, in this case, Michigan summer, which is, you know, kind of peaking right now. We're, yeah. we're ending July, going into August, September, kids will be going back to school. To my knowledge, I'm hearing that kids will be going back to in person. Yeah. There's, there's new uh, news out there suggesting that, you know, kids will be more eligible for the vaccination. Yeah. Um, schools by district will be making choices. So parents are crossing fingers that this variant won't disrupt the hope for kids being in class in person. So they can go back to somewhat of if it's a dual income home or whatever that means. But I don't have kids in elementary or junior or high school. But what I can understand from watching my friends who do have kids, it was really taxing. Yeah. Not just for the inconvenience of, of having kids home. But just the learning concept being challenged by virtual learning. Oh, totally, totally. Most families were not equipped. Um, you have some homeschooler families that that was their norm. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, part of the function of the brain is we're social. Mm-hmm. We're we're designed to connect. And if you use the distinction between learning brain and trauma brain. The learning brain works best when it's not under assault. Mm-hmm. And so COVID provided an assault of sorts, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And the kids got caught up into that crossfire. And so to shade to all the teachers who probably doubled and tripled their workload trying to help our kids learn against that backdrop. Yeah. So going back into the school, I think it's going to be a huge benefit. Absolutely. I was trying to find um, in my sound library to the teachers. <laughs> we just want to give a shout out to the teachers. Absolutely amazing. Nice. Yeah. Nice little sound effect there. Um, let's, I, I want to go back to you had the concept of window of tolerance. Yeah. And um, combining it with this um, concept of threat. And that's a great image for me to see that I have a, a threshold that can be reached in terms of my ability to tolerate something that's right. maybe always ebbing and flowing. And the key for me when I hear this is I need to be aware of what my limitations are. Yeah, because in the window of tolerance, if you use trauma as a... As a well, just pause for a moment. Is it okay for us to say that trauma can be something small? Or something big? Yes. So instead of saying it has to be like, you know, a car crash where you rolled multiple times, which can happen. That would be a big T trauma. But also it can be small T trauma. Yeah. And and it can be cumulative. Mm-hmm. So with relational trauma, frequently 
you know, you see the traumas occurring during critical developmental stages of development. Mm -hmm. But with the, the window of tolerance, that really in, in the trauma concept is my ability to think and feel and tolerate conflict, to your point, or in discomfort um, at the same time. Mm -hmm. When you move outside, either high or low, you, your, your executive functionings with trauma theory go offline. Mm -hmm. And now you're in survival mode. Yeah, And those skills are important if the survival threat is substantial or real. But if it's not, I mean by not saying it's real, but if it, you know, if there's a mismatch in the context, I'm afraid of you, but I don't really have a reason to be afraid of you, but mm -hmm. my body doesn't discern that. Yeah. Now it's off and running. Yeah, the body, you've always often said that the body has a hard time, the brain has a hard time distinguishing between real and imagined threat. Yeah, and shame real shame um false shame versus real shame real guilt versus false guilt the brain does have a challenge in making fine distinctions emotionally and, and those are going those moments are going to happen outside that window of tolerance it sounds like they can if they go outside the window yeah. of tolerance that's where i i would argue people get into trouble mm -hmm. So what does this mean then? Does this mean that we have to be more um, understanding of our ability to tolerate change, um, challenge, what we're calling threats, and being, again, based on our series on, on maturity and intimacy, the ability to be mature in my assessment of what's happening and have the maturity under self-control to be able to make choices that keep me within my my appropriate range of tolerance. Right. And generally what seems to be supported in the research, there's a number of techniques, but mindfulness, I am aware, I am paying attention to mm -hmm. what my body, my emotions are trying to tell me. Right. Right. That way, if I can bring that intentionality of mindfulness to it, it gives me an opportunity to say to myself, is Matt really a threat mm -hmm. or is this coming from, you know, so, history or something so else. So key. Yeah. So key. Yeah. Because if I can, if I can stay in that window of tolerance. Now here's the application for COVID. Legitimately, there are going to be challenges in life on a broken planet that are going to push us outside of that window, either high or low. Right. You don't want to live there. Right. You might visit. Yeah. And so, and so the sooner I can get in, you know, the sooner I can address those threats and assess them with the mindfulness, with intentionality, maturity, that kind of thing, um, I now can deploy my executive reasoning, functioning of the brain to help leverage solutions, responses, and things like that. When you're in survival mode, you don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. Can I bring up a scriptural context that may fit here? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a classic scripture brought in at times like James chapter one, you know, the idea of counted a blessing when you experience trials and tribulations, you know, your faith, yeah. your faith is being given a chance to grow. So let it grow. So when we talk about challenge in that context, well, what is from a theological perspective, God is clearly in this particular part of the conversation allows challenge to come 
Yeah. Your 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 window of tolerance may be tested. Yes. And you may go beyond your ability to be able to tolerate a challenge or stress. It's a great point. I'm not sure I know the answer if there's a question. Um did you just ask if I had a question? Yes, I did. <laughs> I am bringing up a question. Okay. Let me be more clear. Thank you. I think sometimes we lose sight of the practicality of a scriptural thought like this James scripture. So yeah. my, my question is, how do we integrate a concept theologically of God saying a challenge is going to come into your life? And oftentimes you're going to be extended. You're going to be pressed beyond your window of tolerance, what do you do with that? There's a question. Yeah. What do I do when the challenge takes me beyond my ability? And you've addressed that a little bit in our conversation so far. Yeah, I don't think they're exclusive. I think the Lord helps you expand that window of tolerance as long as there's intentionality and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. My perspective in his sovereignty, uh, my understanding prior to the challenge or the trauma like if you do the pre-trauma thing, is like if I'm cultivating an attitude, um, a philosophy or a theology of pain and suffering, I recognize the planet is broken. So that helps modify my expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm not immune. I, I'm I'm not immune to bad things happening to me. Yeah, I, uh, that was really about a year ago. I had a heart attack, and I'm a runner, and I watched <laughs> I watched my diet. I, I did theoretically what they told me I should be doing yeah. in order to avoid the result I had. Mm-hmm. So I can do all the right things and have the wrong outcome. Fortunately, to your question, I, I do practice a theology or a philosophy of pain and suffering. I don't think I'm immune. Yeah. So that helped me to stay, that faith perspective helped me to stay within a window of tolerance that still enabled me to deploy the executive reasoning, mm-hmm. even though the threat was real. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it wasn't clean, but it was doable. Oh, I think that's important to state. I mean, because your your health crisis happened during COVID. Yes. I remembered being there, and yep. a, a crowd of witnesses were staged outside the hospital, and Sandy, your wife, was allowed to go in. Yeah. And then a couple close friends, or one close friend, was able to support her. That was really hard. Yeah. But everybody's capacity was was brought to a limit in the midst of COVID. And to your point, which I think is a really good one, that community of friends mm-hmm. and family, they were that support helped to expand that window of tolerance. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right? Um, because they're trusted relationships. I trust you. I trust the people who supported. Um, there weren't there was, I didn't have to deal simultaneously with a threat. Right. Oh, Matt or somebody else is going to hurt me or compromise me, or I didn't have to be on stage. They're going to see me in a weak or vulnerable position. None, none of that was an issue because of the relational maturity and quality of relationships that mm-hmm. we have. Mm-hmm. That goes back to your question to me. These are the ways that you incorporate faith into is a difficult, a difficult, challenging trauma situation. Yeah. And you're right. You have big T and small T traumas. I think it's also important to point out that even though I might label something as a trauma, 
it it may not be a trauma. It may just be a difficulty of life. Yeah, but that could also be somewhat traumatic, even you know, yeah. on the scale. Yeah, I'm not denying on that. the continuum. Like you know, I've got a nice pair of socks, and my dog Odin. He's one, he's one, he's one years old. <laughs> Did Odin need those socks? So every day. He always, when he wakes up, he's very excited when he wakes up and comes out of his kennel, but he has this thing where he has to put something in his mouth. <laughs> and so I quickly try to get something safe in his mouth, like uh, Dean wouldn't like this, but like a dishcloth, but he'll find my socks on the floor. Now, I know I should be picking up my socks, but I, I had to leave the house. I had to go to an appointment. I was wearing my shorts and my Burks, but I had to put on socks for my chiropractor's appointment because I don't want people to see my toes. <laughs> And I put on my sock, and I forgot my left sock has this gigantic hole on the <laughs> pinky side. I said, Odin. <laughs> There's so many places to go with this. I'm thinking, oh, Odin wakes up and wants something in his mouth. I wake up and want something in my mouth. Give yeah. me food. Yeah, but I think, you know, based on what you're sharing, you're bringing up a great point. So, yeah, my sock dilemma this morning was really low on the scale of trauma. Yeah. It was an inconvenience. I get it. But you're talking about resources around you when you are considering your window of tolerance and realizing you're reaching a limit. Well, I need help then. Yes. To expand my window of tolerance, I need yes. to get resources around me and to be able to help let them help me tolerate this this maybe crisis or this situation. Right. So you have you have um, a circle of care around you as I like to think about it, people that you can trust and are mature so that intimacy and all those other good things can take place. And then other resources in trauma, mindfulness, breathing, that's a big, that's a big ticket item. Yeah. You know, so to your point, yeah. If you have those resources and, and have practiced those resources, cultivated those resources prior to, something like COVID or any other trauma, I would argue those who do that meet the trauma. Yeah, well, you're bringing up the point where you got to practice the skill sets that help you to tolerate um, things that are difficult. That's exactly right, because I like hockey. Well, I can't skate. I've tried. I would like to see you skate. Oh, it's ugly. <laughs> but... To think that I could get into a hockey game and play at a level that is equal to or superior that of people who who can play hockey, yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a really crappy self assessment. It's a right. pathetic self assessment. It's going to be disastrous for the team and for me. So, so back in the day when I used to be in the fitness industry, I was a fitness director at West Hills Athletic Club, and I had the tennis pro serve me a couple serves oh, yeah. like on the tennis court. And, I mean, you're talking 115, 120 miles an hour. Yeah. Dude, I I had no chance. Nope. It went by me. Like, there was zero eye-hand coordination, <laughs> yes. ability to react. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to no. play his game. No. And in America, we kind of cultivate an attitude like things won't happen to me. And that was, to me, part of the lesson learned through COVID. It's like, as a culture – we really didn't think something like this apparently would visit us, even though in other places around the world they had epidemics. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, put me in, to your point, put me into a tennis game with a pro, it's no, not going to no end chance. well. No chance. No chance for you to do anything. No, good. we're not proactive. Oh, I thought you said we weren't pros. <laughs> that too. <laughs> we're not yeah, so as we you know, start to wind down our conversation today on assessment for COVID. So you're listening to this podcast, this conversation, and you're thinking about your endurance through this journey. How have you done? Yeah. Um, who, what resources do you have around you? As we've brought language to the idea of window of tolerance, how, do you have a vision of what that window looks like for you? And um, where are you at? Like, is that, Rob, is the window of tolerance, I'm imagining a lower level and a higher level. And it, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm too low, I'm hypo. If I'm above, I'm hyper. Right. Hyper is things like um, hypervigilance, uh, hypo, you, you experience depression, mm-hmm. you know, and a multitude of other symptoms or challenges whether you're too high or too low so you you want to stay in that middle sweet spot area that's the goal because you don't want to be too low you don't want to be too high exactly yeah you know and life can push us high or low there is no question about that but i think the main point is that when you go outside of that window of tolerance either high or low you are now taking your ability to think, to ration, rational thought, critical thinking, analysis. All of the executive functions of the brain are going offline because all that energy is now put into addressing that yep. threat. You just have to be self-aware. Yes, definitely. Be honest in your self-assessment. Yeah. And if yeah. needed, have somebody that you trust help you. Yeah. and It's not wrong to be outside the window of tolerance. No. It's only wrong if you don't... You're not aware of it. Yeah. And, or if you're living on in there where the body is always activated, mm-hmm. then you do need, you need to, to leverage some help and some resources to that. Okay. Very good. Well, my window of tolerance in two weeks will be in Maui swimming with sea turtles. <laughs> I'll have to tolerate 82 degrees every day. Inside. Oh, that will be rough. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be, it'll be exciting. No, I'm it really, I'm looking forward to snorkeling with sea turtles. That's just like a dream. Yes, it's cool. Come true. Anyways, um, we just want to remind everybody that this has been a pause because we had promised you that we would be talking to Cliff Berry on communication. We'll do that next episode, episode 14. And we're going to spend maybe two or three episodes with uh, Cliff, an amazing man, somebody who has a direct access to so much information And we want to tap into that, let you listen into that conversation regarding communication. Um, We sat down with him yesterday and just had a little preview, and I was, like, taking notes. I'm like, this is going to be good. I cannot wait to talk to him. So you don't want to miss episode 14. Just listen to this episode 13 just for fun, but episode 14, that's where it's at. Yep. All right. Um, (laughs) That was... That that was a cool little sound effect. I was on the wrong screen, but but um boom. Hey, thanks for listening today. Appreciate it. For mindful conversations with Matt and Rob. Hope that you have a great day wherever that may lead you.